I think there's like a movement now of B2B companies trying to talk and sound a little bit more like consumer companies because they realize you really have to be memorable. You really have to be cool and fun and visually appealing and everything. In the past, B2B companies would be more like enterprise, boring type of companies. Most landscapes are very, very competitive right now. Like you said, marketing tech, sales tech and everything. Then I think the good brands definitely win. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. This week, we're joined by Yoav Vilna. Yoav is CEO at Walnut, a codeless and customizable platform to help sales reps own their successful demo experience. Founded in 2020 and having just raised a $35 million Series B, only four months after their Series A, they are flying. And in the noisy markets we all operate in, Yoav believes in establishing a strong brand from day one. Let's dig in, and I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Yoav. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So before we get stuck into this one, I'd love to know a bit more about your experience in growing startups. So when I was 20-something, I was basically trying to find a couple of clients, customers to help and support their marketing growth efforts as a freelancer. That somehow turned out to be the biggest company in Israel to do startup marketing, you know, stuff that are more well-known today, growth hacking, growth marketing, and everything. And so my company had 600 startups. We had offices in Manhattan and London, quite a couple of dozens of employees. And it was a lot of fun. It taught me all about startups and sales and marketing and growth. And naturally, I knew very little about it when I was just handling a couple of customers. And so for seven years, I was the CEO of that company. It made a lot of impact on marketing and branding and stuff that startups are usually doing today as an obvious first step. Later, while I was the CMO, a founding member of a startup designed to save kids from bullies on social media. And right now, the CEO at Walnut. Fantastic. And it looks like you've been busy raising your Series B. So congratulations on that. Yeah, yeah. We just announced a Series B. So overall, we raised about 56 million in our first year and a half. Superb. So we're obviously here to talk about how to build your startup's brand from day one. But before we sort of get into the sort of tactics then, what does brand mean to you? That's a great question. You know, I really agree with the term that brand is what people say about you when you're leaving the room, which also makes it the most hard to measure. You know, it's impossible to measure. I know a lot of tools and startups are trying to do that, right? To try and quantify your brand recognition against a competitor and everything. I think that's impossible because what people really think, they wouldn't be writing online in the different comments and Twitter and everything. You would usually hear it from a third-party person or by accident, if you're in the wrong conversation, definitely what people think about you when they know you're not listening. And definitely one of the most important things that startups should focus on from day one. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, when they think of brand, they think of a logo, they think of a design of a website, you know, that kind of traditional stuff. Whereas you're hearing more and more these days about things like dark social, which is exactly kind of what you're talking about, which is what do people feel about you and what do people say about you when you're kind of not there? To put it in context, I mean, why do you think it's so important that startups have a good brand then early on at the moment? It's easy to do it wrong, but if you want to get it right, then it's super, super complex. It's like a puzzle with a million pieces. It's not a logo. It's not a blog post. 
it's not the way you launch your product. It's not the way you answer your customers. It's pretty much everything all at once. And so it takes a lot of time to build out. It takes a lot of time to experiment. And you should do it from day one because it's going to take a while. And so usually when I've seen startup, remember, oh, we've been around for like three years and now we have to bring in a CMO or a VP marketing and start focusing on brand. Usually their competitors would have done it earlier and beat them to it. Yeah. And do you think this also because then we live in quite a noisy world, don't we? I mean, starting a tech business has got a lot easier over the years. Not totally very easy, but it has got easier. And there are lots of competitors out there. You know, even if you look at the sort of marketing tech landscape that sort of Scott Brinker talks about, it's a very, very crowded market. So do you think also having a good brand from day one helps with that traction early on? Yeah, for sure. I think there's like a movement now of B2B companies trying to talk and sound a little bit more like consumer companies Mm. because they realize you really have to be memorable. You really have to be cool and fun and visually appealing and everything. In the past, B2B companies would be more like enterprise, boring type of companies. Most landscapes are very, very competitive right now. Like you said, marketing tech, sales tech and everything. Then I think the good brands definitely win. Yeah. So if you were starting a new startup, what would you say needs to be in place on day one then for a startup? Right. So day one is definitely when you do not have a budget to do it. You know, I can tell you what we've done with Walnut, which is for some people, it's like a good case study for how to establish a brand early on. We put a lot of effort into our, first of all, being able to be very clear about what we do in our homepage and different assets like team leaders of sales and marketing teams, they didn't have to spend more than a couple of seconds to realize the value. We are solving a big problem. And so that was drawing a lot of attention to start with. We were going for a cool kind of an illustrated type of a homepage with a character that we did with that designer. We decided that we want our tone of voice to be kind of on the funny side more than anything. So our content is very informative, but it's also not always that serious, like you would find like the occasional play of words or jokes. We were trying to bring fun into this whole sales space, which is usually kind of dull. Mm. Salespeople are looking for, they're not just looking to be educated, they're also looking for a tone of voice that they can relate to. And so this is what we were doing. Like we've done a lot of PR from day one. A lot of articles went live about what we do whenever we launch something whether we were trending on Product Hunt for a week or winning that award or getting that title in some magazine, everything piled up to be a big channel of inbound for us from those different types of content. And we did spend some money on it. Like, you know, when we had really good content, we promoted it, whether it's LinkedIn or other places. But eventually we combine a lot of different channels. You know, like I said first, like the brand is not really doing just one thing. Mm. We activated a lot of different channels as early on as possible, not with a lot of money. And the reactions were pretty amazing. Awesome. And talking about the sort of brand itself, then, I mean, how much of that was sort of you thinking about, okay, this is how we want to be perceived in the market versus actually talking to your potential customer base to see about them and the language and what they're consuming and where they're consuming? What was the sort of balance between those two? So pretty much every decision that we made, as much as I recall, was together with our customers or if it was very early on, so design partners. But definitely every product decision we took was together with them. And in terms of like positioning, we also asked them a lot of questions. Like we researched quite a lot before we kind of realized the perfect tone of voice for us. But you know, it's going to change often. Like you experiment just the way you experiment sign up buttons in your landing page. You need to experiment your brand and your positioning and your tone of voice and everything. 
and occasionally kind of challenge it and see if it's still being happily accepted. Yeah. And how do you evolve that? You know, obviously you're going to launch from sort of day one and it's going to be probably a little bit scrappy if you're a startup, but obviously focus on the bits that you talked about. I mean, how then do you sort of think about evolving that brand over time, maybe in terms of the sort of branding, but even the sort of marketing team that are sort of delivering that kind of stuff? Right. So in our first deal, people thought that Walnut's marketing team is like a 50 people team. It was honestly two people. That's a sign of how good it is. (laughs) Yeah. We were just super focused on making noise and making an impact. And that's how it seemed. Like you said early on, we had a serious round of funding and we're going to expand every team in the company and everything's going to grow massively. And we're going to be more mature and aggressive about the entire marketing department. Well, I mean, you look at companies like Gong, I guess, the sort of companies you would think about as companies to look at in terms of the sort of quality of the stuff that they produce and the kind of traction they get out there. How much of that branding also then is done through employees? You sort of listen to people like Dave Gerhart these days about branding as individuals rather than the business itself how much do you sort of push through the people that you work for and create them as personal brands almost on your behalf i totally agree with that saying whenever an employee was referring either customers or other employees our way the connection was always pretty amazing and the kind words that people are saying and when they tag us on linkedin and when i get a screenshot from a friend of a friend that's in some facebook group or a linkedin group and you know, one of our team members were saying this and that, it makes a lot of impact. Like you get exposed to a lot of people. If an employee tags you on LinkedIn saying this happened, that happened, or you should come work with us because this and that. Twitter is a place where employees usually make a lot of noise about the good stuff and also about the bad stuff. But that's when you're like much more mature, right? And you've kind of lost control over thousands of people. But, but definitely that's one way I see it. In our company, we have a VP of people. And we put a lot of emphasis on how to try and make the work environment as positive and great and fun as possible. It's an interesting point because obviously as a fast growing startup, it's all about building customers, but you've got to bring people on board as employees as well. So you can't forget that sort of employer branded really. Yeah, It's obviously a tricky one, as you said at the start, but how would you kind of measure the impact that the work you're doing then around brand has on the business overall? That's such a hard, hard thing to solve because... I don't think it's like the Twitter talkbacks and I don't think it's like that competitor said this or that. It's so many touch points that you don't have directly with the people and what they really think about you. Mm. If you want to have really clear opinion of how people perceive your product, you should try and get feedback from like a couple of dozens or even hundreds of people randomly. You should ask someone that's not part of your company to get that feedback so the other side feels comfortable sharing that feedback. VCs are always on top of how people perceive different products. Like you should ask a friend from the VC world to, you know, sniff around and see what other people are thinking about your product. There's a lot of things you can do. I don't really know a magic solution that just kind of tell you you're an awesome brand, you're a crappy brand. You know, <laughs> I don't see it even existing. Yeah, well, I think you touch on it. It's almost like a feeling, I guess. It's a bit like when you'd start to hit product market fit. Yeah. It just feels like the sales cycle's getting shorter. It feels like there's more. You see the leads sort of coming through a bit easier. There's a bit more sort of noise in the market and sort of people generally are sort of talking about you a bit more. But I guess that also is a good point for a startup to be hiring product marketers, as an example, that can sort of take some of that more sort of researchy piece as well to understand what impact thing brand has and or what customers are using to decide whether or not they choose your solution or another solution, those classic sort of win-loss interviews and stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. Have you used any sort of tools then to help you with this kind of stuff? In terms of like setting the foundation, usually automate my content and social and everything with HubSpot. I usually look at all kinds of different tools to get like good topics to write about for the blog that could attract organic traffic and for the main keywords that for me help me build my brand. So anything from just playing out researching in Google, you know, or Google Trends type of topics. Uber Suggest is a tool that also lets you find out all kinds of long tail keywords. BuzzSumo is a tool for researching topics and everything. And then I also use mention.com. You know, it's the Google alerts on steroids. You know what people are saying about the brand all the time. I combine a lot of tools to try and get a sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And if you were talking to a startup CEO right now, that an earlier stage than where Walnut is, and sort of having been through this process yourself then, would you hire somebody full-time to do this? Would you hire a freelancer? Would you hire an agency? Is there any sort of thoughts you've got around that? In our case, we brought our first head of marketing when we were 10 people and post-seed. And it was very unusual. People were saying, okay, that's a bit early, right, to do that. But for me, it wasn't. But we're a very unusual company. Like we had a VP sales in when we were just like both founders and no product. Wow. Yeah, because we wanted a sales mastermind to build the product together with us and then build out the pipeline later on. And so it was a good move. But also in terms of like the marketing, definitely in your top 10 people. No doubt, no need to wait with it. It will only get harder to fill in the gap. Yeah, fine. This will be of interest certainly to our audience then. How have you scaled that marketing team? You brought on the head of marketing to start off with. How's that sort of evolved as you've gone through your funding and as you've grown? I think every good marketing department should have people that are creative artists, artistic type of people for the content and for the PR and for the social and for, you know, everything. But I also think you need a scientist type of people. Like you need people that are good with the data and CRMs and automations and stuff like that. And so I think that when you expand your marketing team, you should focus on these personas. So for us as well, you know, it's ranging anything from the product marketing people to the marketing operations people, to the automation, to communications, pretty much growing to be a mature company. Makes sense. When you were looking to hire that first marketing hire then, what specifically were you looking for from that hire? Were you looking for somebody who's perhaps worked in a startup before to give you the confidence that they can work in that sort of environment? Or were you digging a bit beneath that to actually look at the sort of skills and traits they had? So when we first got in touch with our head of marketing, my sense was maybe it's a little bit too early, but he was bringing on so many good things to the table. You know, he was working at Twix for about seven, eight years on a lot of stuff brand related. He's very aggressive in the way that he just gets things done, even when there's not a lot of budget, which now is going to change. But up until now, that was the situation. The outcome was pretty amazing. Mm. You know, if you find someone that's kind of in between social and content and SEO, Usually you can handle that alongside a couple of agencies or freelancers to start with, but pretty soon you would have to be allowed the entire foundation of acquisition and everything. Great stuff. And before you go then, obviously, if anybody's got any questions for you, you know, if there are any CEOs listening to this or even marketeers listening to this who would like to ask you any questions, what's the best way of them getting in touch with you? Yes, I'm very available everywhere, Twitter at Yoel Vilner, which I'm sure they will see how it's written anywhere here because it's hard to spell. Uh, LinkedIn as well, through our website, however they want to do it. 
And as a bit of a plug, I mean, I really like Walnut Solution, but what kind of problem are you guys solving right now? So we're solving a very massive problem that works across every B2B vertical imaginable. And that's how you actually showcase your product and how you run the sales demo process, not showing the same boring experience to a lot of different prospects, being able to send a link out with that personalized demo so you don't have to take a thousand calls. Everything that's happening in that space right now is very exciting and very fast-paced. Great stuff. Well, I really like the explainer video on the website. So if anybody's interested, go and check that out. It's pretty cool. It's been fascinating to talk to you. It's been great talking to somebody who's really been there and done it from a startup's point of view. Congratulations on your Series B. It's been fantastic talking to you today. Thanks. Have a good day. So that's it for another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a review as that helps the channel going forward. Until next time.